coming out. There we go. Scott just turned it on. Good morning, brother. I'll give an explanation. Well, good morning, everyone. So glad to uh, be with you this morning. Um, my wife was supposed to be teaching, but um, some unforeseen thing happened this week. And I'll briefly give an explanation for those of you that are here and listening. Um, she came home Friday after work and said that she had been around someone that um, had the virus. Not directly, but indirectly. One of her friends had been around her, and her friend had been, you know, in the same classroom with her. So she's opted to say, hey, I don't want to even chance it. So she's keeping her distance. She's on one end of our house. I'm on the other. Um, and she's okay. No symptoms, anything like that. But just as a precautionary thing, she decided to um, uh, to stay at home and ask me if I would teach. So um, I gladly said absolutely because the Lord had already been kind of preparing me and I'd been thinking about some things uh, Tuesday night. So um, I know Wednesday night, Pastor taught on standing. And um, I'm going to see if maybe if Monica can pass this out to three people that won't take but maybe five seconds. Four now. Here comes Pastor. So he taught Wednesday night on standing, but Tuesday evening... And I always listen, I, I, I listen to the messages um, early, and I, I 2X them, that way I can, kind of, and it's always, it's always funny when pastor's laughing at 2X, uh, when you turn that up, it's just like a chipmunk. But anyway, my wife walks in the room, and she's like, how can you hear that? I listen to everything, and, and uh, you know, I increase the speed on it, that way, you know, I can just get through things quicker consume and consume more content so anyway it's a great message wednesday night but uh tuesday evening as i was going to bed i was thinking about um a lot of the things that are going on in our in our world particularly the the major resistance that i felt spiritually and uh, i know many of you have felt the same thing over the many months now and I, I immediately started reflecting back on, on a passage that the Lord had kind of directed me to um, uh, that's that past Sunday morning where it talked about uh, Janus and, and, and Jambres that, were, that withstood Moses. And we've known this passage before, but I had not really fo have focused on um, the word withstand there um, and the word resist. And so I clicked on it, and immediately it pulled up the word anti-histeme, which is the direct opposite of what Pastor was, some of the things he was sharing on Wednesday night, which is histeme. And so Friday evening when Trish said, hey, do you mind doing this? Um, I said, no. So I started studying a little bit that evening and all day Saturday. Uh, so in front of you, you have the... The, the study that I've, I've done on anti-histeme versus histeme, and we really are in a battle for this. That's why I've titled it that. And we're, we're called to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so I started pulling up, um, you know, the word resist, 
And in the Old Testament, if you type that in, the first one that pops up is Joshua. And so, you know, I hadn't really looked much at resist there. So I clicked on it and started a word search. And guess what that word is? That word is translated a lot of times as adversary and withstand, but it's a word, the verb word for Satan in the Old Testament. And so I thought, okay, interesting. And then you start tracing it, and the noun form goes back to, to Satan as the source. So I immediately started going, okay, you know, pastor just taught Wednesday night on standing and the importance of it. And we all know this to be true, but it, it's taking on a different uh, meaning now for us because of the time frame that we're in. So we're going to look at both of these terms. I, 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 I didn't look at the one, you know, the noun form of Satan. You know, the verb form always speaks of him in attack mode and in an accusation mode. Uh, and that that verb uh, is used six times in the Old Testament. And we'll look at several locations where that is, probably every one of those. And then several instances of anti-histeme. Uh, and if you think also some of the recent teachings on anti-Christ, you've got that there too. So um, it, it really... It really shows us a picture of what's happening in the spirit and what's manifesting in the natural. It's it's God against Satan, and we know that we know who's going to win. And as his partners, we don't need to fear. We don't need to um, uh, be worried and anxious and just. Um, wondering if we're going to get the virus or whatever. I mean, we, we, we really don't. We, we take precautions, and we use common sense. And, you know, as, as I've been watching the news, I, I try not to watch too much of it because it can really <laughs> be very, very disheartening, and it's depression. It's depressive. And um, so I, 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 I want to be informed but I don't want to watch Fox News for six, seven, eight hours a day. It just it gets in your head, and it can really, this is not a good thing. <laughs> but if you listen to some of the things that are being released, just the words, the content of what's being spoken, not the individuals, man, people are just throwing common sense right out the door. Um, I mean, it's really, some of it's satanic, you know, some of it is, but some of it's just like common sense. It's not a it's not a Democrat or Republican uh, issue at all. It's common sense. We should all want order and law in our communities, right? <laughs> I mean, one would think that, but when you listen to some of the words, it's like, man, I, I just shake my head and go, how do you come to that conclusion? It makes no sense at all. And a lot of it is this discussion here, along with everything else that's been taught, you know, recently. It's it's a it's a battle against the anti-standing uh, versus us standing as intercessors in the gap. And so we're going to look. Some of these I've never really looked at in the Book of Psalms here, and so we'll just go right into the the section enemies and adversaries. And some of these psalms here, I mean, they are, they are powerful, and they give a lot of descriptions about what's going on um, in our world today. So let's look at Psalm 38. 
And what I've done with these is there's a lot of negative things in here where the, the writer is saying I'm, I'm, there, there are snares being laid before me. There's deceit and all this stuff. But what I've tried to do is I've tried to go, okay, in the midst of that, what is the positive thing that God's revealing through this individual? So in Psalm 38, it's this, follow the tobe, <laughs> follow the good. In Psalm 38, 12, it says, They also that seek after my life lay snares. Snares there is just meaning an entrapment of sorts for me. It's very personal. And they seek my hurt, speaking mischievous things. They're imagining deceits all day long. Now, I want to stop there just for a second. When you think about the things that you've heard through the media and through all kinds of voices, it's like they, they're, they're, they're really pondering all of these different types of things in their thinking. And, and really, when, when the psalmist says they're imagining these things, that's really kind of what's going on. They're, the enemy tries to stir up the imagination where people ponder on things. And in this case, it's in deceit, which is really uh, deception. And, and you see that being spewed everywhere throughout the media and i'm not i'm not saying it's i'm not saying fox news gets it right all the time and i'm not it's just none of that let's just cut through all of that and look at the words because what what's in the heart comes out through the mouth right in words and 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 so you you find real quickly what people are thinking if you if we can just kind of just listen so imagining deceits, and he says, this, this individ these individuals are doing this all day long. Man, what a waste of the imagination. We need to be meditating and pondering on the good and the, uh, what God's doing, right? Because if we don't, we could end up imagining all these other things here, and it could really corrupt our thinking. But he says in verse 13, but I, as a deaf man, I heard them not. That, 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 that is a conscious thing that we need to do as well is hear it, but don't allow it to seep into us to where we can you know, be affected in a negative way by it. That's, a, that's, that's hard, not easy to do, but it can be done. And he says, and I was a, as a dumb man that opened not his mouth. Thus I was as a man that hears not and whose mouth are no reproofs. I don't know if I can say that or not, but that's, that's a good aim. For in thee, Yahweh, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord, my God. So in the midst of all of this, these entrapments, in the midst of um, these words that are mischievous and they're, they're, they're intended to hurt, and this deceit that's being released, the psalmist come back and says, you know what, I have a personal responsibility in this. And, and my, my hope is not in the media. My hope is not in any other thing but in Yahweh, the eternal plan. And I know as I'm in his plan, he's going to hear me. And then he says, oh, Lord, and I believe that's Adonai, my Elohim. In verse 16, he says, for I have said, hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slips, they magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare mine iniquity. Here's iniquity coming in. And I will be sorry for my sin. 
But mine enemies are lively, and they are strong, and they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. Do you feel like things are being multiplied in the earth? I mean, do you feel like the enemy? I'm not glorifying the enemy. I'm just saying it seems that the, the demonic plan of the enemy is being multiplied throughout the earth, right? God's not taken by that. He, he sees exactly what's going on. And I believe he's sharing enough with us as his intercessors to know, stay the course, stand, don't leave my plan because I'm going to, he's going to take care of this. We, we don't have to do his job. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. All we have to do is continue to intercede and to continue to hear. And just like John the Baptist, do what? Stand and hear and in that, we gain total fulfillment. That's it. Fulfillment does not come in any other person, place, or thing. It's only found in Yahweh and in hearing his voice. Didn't, didn't Jesus say that? The friend of the bridegroom does what? His stemmes, hears, and there's, there's great rejoicing. Because we hear his voice, and then that leads to fulfillment. I mean, think about it. every time you've, that fulfillment, there, there's nothing. Sometimes it's hard to put into words, but it, hearing his voice and it impacting you on the inside, that's true fulfillment. That cannot be gained by a job title that cannot be obtained in any other any other from any other source and when we feel that that's all we need so think about and ponder on imagine the good think about the good follow the tobe in the midst of the raw verse 20 they also render raw for tobe and they are mine adversaries. Satan, that's the Hebrew word there. Why? why? Because I follow the thing that is Tob. So the fact that we're on this pathway of the Tob or the good means there's going to be adversaries. And, and the source of this is satanic. I mean, that's, that's what the Hebrew says there. I mean, we know that. But for me to see some of these things in here, it helps as we continue to move forward in the Lord. And it should help you as well. And the psalmist says in verse 21, Forsake me not, O Yahweh. You know, it could appear that in the midst of all of this neg negativity and all the deceit and all the entrapments and all the words that are being released to bring hurt, anybody in their right mind could think oh maybe the lord's forsaken me right but then he comes to grips and says you know what no just lord don't forsake me oh yahweh oh my elohim he's asking for the eternal plan and the heart of god to not forsake him he's not saying okay lord if i lose this don't let my my status at work for he's not focused on any of this stuff he's focused on the eternal plan and the heart of god those are the two those are that's what we're here for is knowing the plan and, and 
being in his heart and, and sensing and discerning that as well. And then verse, so no, in verse 21, he, and as he says, forsake me not, he says, be not far from me. And then verse 22, he elaborates on it and says, make haste to come to my aid, O Lord, my salvation. Um, I love that word, make haste, because there's so many times where uh, as an intercessor, you know, when we're in a time frame that we're in now that's so different, filled with all manner of evil, but goodness too. So you've got the you you always, you're always going to have the the raw and the tobe. I mean, it's just like it was in Genesis. But so many times, if we're not careful, we can lean more towards feeling the twistedness and not really following after the tobe. I, I do that sometimes. I'm, maybe that's just me. Maybe that you don't do that. But I have a strong suspicion we all kind of veer that way a little bit more. So, Lord, help us with uh, maintaining a proper balance. You know, he's given us the ability to discern the, the good and the evil. Now, let's look at Psalm 71, verses 10 through 13. And again, one of the things that I pull from this is that Elohim will help us. It says in verse 10, For mine enemies speak against me, and they that lie wait for my soul. So here's a fo focus on the soul. Take counsel together, saying, Elohim has forsaken him. Persecute and take him, for there's none to deliver him. Verse 12, O Elohim, O heart of God, be not far from me. O my Elohim, make haste. Here it is again for my help. So here's another appeal that this individual in Psalm 71 says, you know what? There's enemies that are speaking against us. Now, they may not be personally coming up to, to each one of us and speaking evil, right? But we should know by now when there's cursing be, being released in the spirit, you can feel that as an intercessor. You know, it's like David, you know, and, and some of the others in the Old Testament, whenever, I mean, they had people in their face cursing them. And it wasn't with profanity words. It was just words that were um, the direct opposite of what God was wanting to accomplish at that time and in their lives. Cursing is that. Anything that's not in alignment with what God says, it's a curse word. And so let's, let's keep reading here. Verse 13, this should be our declaration. Let him be confounded. We're talking about enemies here. Let him be ashamed, disappointed, or delayed, and consumed. Let, let uh, consume there means to come to a point where, where, where they perish, that our adversaries, and that's the word Satan, to my soul, Notice the connective there, how Satan focuses on the soulish part of who people are. Let them be covered with reproach. The word for covered there, it's on your sheet there, means uh, disgraced. And if you trace the root word, it means to ex expose. Let, them, let what they're doing be absolutely um, a, a disgrace and let it be fully exposed. And let dishonor 
that seek my hurt. So the psalmist is asking for a lot of things here. Yes, he feel, he knows that enemies are speaking against him. Yes, he knows that there's counsel coming together to target his soul. Yes, they're saying the heart of God's forsaken me and let's persecute him. Take him now. And, and you think about all this stuff. The enemy is very strong right now in our country and across the world. But that's going to change. God is not going to continue. Now, I don't know how he's going to do this. I don't. I don't think any of us do. We just know that at some point, his spirit is going to be released and invade the places of this world. That's what we need to focus on. That's following the good. That's listening to him and not believing all the, the distractions and all the other things that are going on in, in our world. Because the enemy's trying to do this to really, it's, these are major distractions. Major distractions. And he's trying to get all of us to, to leave our post. He's trying to get all of us to not stand. He's trying to overtake us, as it were. And, and I know at some point, you know, according to the book of Daniel, that he's going to try to attempt to wear out the saints. So let's keep going here. Psalm 109, verses 1 through 5. Now this is so powerful. It speaks to me about the need to give ourselves to prayer in the midst of, maybe I should have rephrased this, in the midst of um, adversaries. I guess that works. It says, Hold not your peace, O God, my praise, Elohim, my praise. For the mouth of the wicked, wicked here means those that have felt like they've been wronged, individuals that are uh, causing disturbances means to violate so there <laughs> that describes a lot of stuff that's going on around us in our world and the mouth of the deceitful and the deceitful is the same word for deceits that we looked at earlier meaning to deceive or or, or fraud are opened up against me for they have spoken against me with a lying tongue they, they compass me about as with words of hatred. Are there words of hatred being released? And they fought against me without a cause. Some of this stuff, okay, I mean, I'm not going to do a, a trace back of when all this started. We all know when it started. But it's way beyond that. It's, it's kind of in this category now without a cause. Um, now, in saying that, we all know that there needs to be some measure of reform. I mean, we, we should all be able to come to terms with that. Whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, political affiliation should not matter with that. Reform, God's all about reform. He's all about transforming and wanting people to be, be like Saul but turned into a Paul. I mean, he, that's, that's what God does. So let's continue to look at this. He says in verse 4, For my love, they are my adversaries, Satan. But in the midst of that, he says, I'm going to give myself to prayer. 
Tapila, and that's from Palau. That's key for all of us. No matter what's going on around us in the spirit, no matter what the enemy's trying to do, no matter how multiplied his agenda looks in the earth, we need to continually give ourselves to this type of prayer. And the psalmist, it's so, I mean, in the midst of it where this people feel like the wicked are rising up, they feel like they've been wrong, they feel like they, and they're creating all these disturbances and there all these violations that are going on and those that are deceitful or deceiving and frauds, in the midst of that, he says, we need to give ourselves to Tefillah prayer. That's it. That's really amazing and, and the placement of it. It's so incredible. And then he ends in verse 5, and he says, For they rewarded me raw for Tob, hatred for love. They're either going to love you or they're going to hate you, right? Isn't that, remember the many years ago, that's the word that pastor God. They, people are either going to love you or they're going to hate you. And that's exactly what's happening here in this Psalm 109. Focus on the prayer. I mean, these, these psalms here are just so descriptive of what's happening in, in our world today. Now, this is not, I mean, I'm just touching on a few things here. But hopefully you've seen a pattern here. I mean, I, I know I do. I mean, I see it here. This is anti-histeme. This is anti-Christ. I mean, this is anti-everything that's affiliated with God. But in the midst of that, I'm going to put this plug in here. The leader of our country is making some profound declarations in the midst of all of it and saying, and, and guess what he's getting? Hatred. All kinds of stuff being released against him. So we need to stand and submit ourselves to God in this way and really begin to lift him up. We are, we're, we've been doing it. I'm just saying let's continue to do that. Because, man, there are people, and they, call, they I hate labels. I hate them with a passion. Let's just say, let's set every label aside. There are individuals that are partnering with satanic beings, and they're just spewing out all this hatred. And they're just spewing out all these different tactics of trying to trap people in, in government. And, and I don't believe that God's going to let this continue to go on very much longer. I really don't. Within his heart, the perfect heart, how do you think God feels in this time frame? I haven't had an encounter where I've been in the, in the fury of the Lord. What... The Bible talks about his fury, right? A righteous fury. I've never felt that as I've been praying and in the heart of God. Maybe you have. But I can only imagine <laughs> when that fury begins to rise up within his heart and he says, this is it. And he begins to come. And you look at passages, it ain't pretty. It's like he gives people enough time to repent. It's like he did in the book of Revelation, but then he says, you know what? This is it. You're gone. He just, in his perfection, he's just not going to stand for it forever. 
That's his job. It kind of gives give me um, give, should give us all a, a a better perspective of what we need to focus on, and then don't worry about what he's he's responsible for. <laughs> Let's look at page two here at Psalm one hundred nine. This continues. This is the same psalm. It's just several verses down. It says the. The, this individual's loved cursing. What? How can anybody have a love relationship with releasing curses? I mean, that makes no sense at all, right? Unless you are a pawn of the enemy. I mean, that makes sense. And then so the psalmist says, okay, in the midst of them loving this cursing and releasing it, let it come unto him as he delights not in blessing. So he can re release a curse, but I'm asking you, Lord, not to release blessing to him. So let it be far from him, he, he says here. And as he's clothed himself with cursing, he's wearing cursing as a mantle. Like as with his garment, so let it come into his bowels like water and like oil into his bones. I mean an absolute saturation of cursing. Let it be unto him as the garment which covers him and for a girdle wherewith he is girded continually. Let this be the reward of my adversaries from Yahweh and of them that speak evil against my soul. There's that word for soul again. These are some pretty harsh words here. But I want you to imagine, and we, we've been in this to some degree. You're around people that just love cursing you. They're clothed with it. They've got a mantle. They're wearing it as a garment. This is the context. I don't know about you, but... I know we need to bless our enemies. I understand that. But this is... We just need to be alert and guard our soul and not allow it to be affected by the things that we experience with the Lord and what's going on in our, in our world. Because God... We are going to be allowed to discern the Tob and the raw all at the same time. Psalm 109, verse 26 through 31, it continues. He says, Help me, O Yahweh, my Elohim. O save me according to thy mercy, that they may know that this is thy hand, that thou, Lord, hast done it. Let them curse, but bless thou. Okay, now he's kind of changed his tone a little bit, right? When they arise, let them be ashamed. And let thy servant rejoice. <laughs> we need the rejoicing of the Lord in the midst of adversarial influences. Whatever we're feeling, we must have the rejoicing. Let mine adversaries be clothed with shame 
and let them be covered with their own confusion. Yes, Lord. One of the things that I sense a lot among resistance in the past, it's more resistance now than it is confusion. I know what it's I know what it's like to feel and sense confusion as you intercede. Boy, it's not it's not a pleasant thing to feel. But he's saying, you know what? They're out to get us. They're out to um they're they're cursing. We we I release blessing, but let them be ashamed. Give uh, we we want our portion to be rejoicing. Let them be covered with their own confusion. And if you think about what's going on in our country, that's kind of what's happening. The, the chaos and the turmoil and every other adjective you want to use is kind of, people are, are they're wearing it. I mean, you, you watch some of the things that are happening in streets across cities. I mean, they are wearing it like a mantle. <laughs> are they supposed to? Is that God's design? Absolutely not. But it's going to take a strong visitation of His Spirit to change these people. And I believe that some of them will be changed. Some. He's going to take get some out of the fire, right? But we need to stay committed to interceding because that's the thing that... that's. That, that causes change. We partner with him, we hear his voice, we release it, and then it begins to manifest. But he says in verse 30, and, and he even says with their own confusion as with the mantle. Verse 31, for he shall stand at the right hand of the poor. <laughs> I like that. I love that too, right? We're poor in what? Spirit. We recognize our need for Him. We're not all that. Without Him, we're nothing. And so, but He's going to stand with us, the opposite of anti-histeme, at the right hand of the poor, to save Him from those that are trying to condemn what? His spirit? No, His soul. There's the emphasis again on the soulish part of people, our humanity. Got that mind, the will, and our emotions. God doesn't force things on us. He doesn't. A lot of people in the church are missing out because they're just expecting it. Oh, it's just going to happen, right? Sometimes it does, but more times than not, God's like, okay, I want to do this in you. And then he steps back and he looks for action. God is a God of action. He is not impressed by a bunch of coats suits ties that doesn't really he wants to see if what's in here lines up with comes out what comes out here the words and the heart must be in alignment so this automatic mentality that i grew up even within the church it ain't happening because if it did it would have happened to a lot of other people 40 years ago right but it didn't so that tells me a lot about who he is but he is not going to stand very much longer he is getting ready to move in power and he will change some of these people he's not looking and go oh that's a democrat oh i can't do anything for that person he's not looking republican he's not looking at any of that stuff he's not saying oh 
They're Catholic. I can't touch them. He doesn't look like that. He doesn't think that way. Even though he says John was a Baptist, it doesn't mean you start a whole church denomination because what does baptism, I mean, what's the word mean in the Greek? You see how we've, we've really messed up the eternal design. But God, is over the last 20 years, has tried to take us back to the foundation and go, here's what I meant to do from the very beginning, right? We have that privilege and that honor because there's so many in the church that they have no clue with this. It, they're happy with, I'm born again, I spoke in the tongue, it takes me 45 minutes to speak in it again, but i got to work myself up to it. And they're happy with that. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. But what about everything from that point to when we go to heaven, whenever that happens? They've got all that figured out, too. It's going to be pre. I'm, no tribulation at all for me. I mean, see, man has really messed up the plan. But God is, he's, he's, he's faithful. He is faithful even in the midst of all this craziness that the enemy has brought to our world and particularly to the United States. It was a tactic that was being formed, and I know the rhetoric sometimes that's being used cut through all of that. I think sometimes, and I'm just, I'm just saying, when, you, when a true apostolic word is spoken it's going to rub people the wrong way <laughs> it is i think i'm just saying there there have been some words that i've heard i'm not even going to say a name but just our leader here and the presidential leader say i mean as soon as it was released i'm like oh that stung but boy it's the truth that's an apostolic word and, boy, in, within minutes, the media is all over it, and Democrats are all over it, and Pelosi and all the others that are, I shouldn't say names, but I did. Alexander the coppersmith, so did Paul. It's like, I mean, they're all over it. Like, why don't rice? And, I mean, I, I know I'm kind of going, I'm not going off because we're talking about what's going on and how God's going to be changing that. I believe, I believe that. He's going to change some. You know, I wonder what they thought about the Apostle Paul, who was Saul. I mean, we know some of the things. They're like, man, we have anything to do with that guy. He's killing people like us. Keep him away from us. And then there was somebody that came to the forefront that stood on his behalf and said, you know what? He's been changed. Somebody had to step in and say, no, this guy is, he's not the same guy. The one he used to persecute, he's now in the synagogues, and he's preaching what? Christ, sonship, in the synagogue. We're doing the same thing, and I believe the coming days are going to be, we're going to be in the religious sector, the religious churches, and we're going to be preaching sonship, and they're going to embrace it. Some are. You know, the days where we just, you know, intercede, intercede. But that's fine. We still do that. But God has prepared this time frame and allowed all of this pandemic and all this chaos, all this disturb, everything that's in it, he has allowed it. Could he have at any point said, stepped in and just said, it's, it's over? Absolutely. You know, we don't, need to, we don't need to focus on, oh, well, why hasn't God done that? Well, that's not the question to ask. 
What is God doing in the midst of it is a better one. You see how we, we, tend to, our, we tend to think, why, why, why? God's like, don't worry about the why. Worry about what I'm doing in the midst of it and where we're going to go. Because he's always, I mean, you study the scripture that way, and you see him all, all from the very beginning, how it all started out, even, even pre-Genesis, um, in, in the spirit, when it, everything was perfect. We see what happened there and how it filtered down in the earth and then how the enemy got involved and how he deceived the, uh, Adam and Eve. And, and then God's always moving forward in redemption all throughout the Old Testament. So he's always looking forward. And, and prose, that's, that's that word that means looking forward. And so this brings us to the next example where Joshua is. We all know this. But here's something interesting I, had, I really hadn't focused on until this time frame. It says in verse 1, He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing. <laughs> interesting. Before the angel of Yahweh. Now watch this. And Satan is also doing what? Standing. And I had not seen the two different standings there. You've got the high priest Joshua, the angel of the eternal plan that's there, and the satanic is there too, and they're all where? Where, where are they at? They're at the right hand. Satan's agenda is to do what? To resist, to accuse, the verb form there. He's out to just, that's all he wants to do. But then in verse 2, look what Yahweh does. Yahweh says unto Satan, my eternal plan rebuke you. We must use that as a strategy against Satan and his forces and say, you know what? The eternal plan rebukes you. God, his plan is saying this now. It's not about this agenda over here. You see this? I do. I love it. Even the Lord has chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. So I'm not going to touch on that. Just think about that one. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. That's kind of what happens when you're in the midst of intense warfare, satanic warfare like this, right? Your garments can get kind of filthy. And he stood before the angel, and he answered and spake those things and said, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from you, and I'll clothe you with a change of raiment. And I said, let them set a fair miter upon his head. So they put a fair miter on his head, clothed him with garments, and the angel of Yahweh stood by, and the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua. That word for protested there, if you look at it, it's, it's not the protest the way we think it. It just means he's given he's given Joshua... Uh, a, a direct or some orders here that are from the Lord, from Yahweh. And he says this, Thus saith Yahweh of hosts, the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, number one, and keep my charge, at that point I'm going to allow you to judge my house. So judging comes in here, and it's a direct word through the angel of Yahweh to Joshua in this context where Satan is there, resistance is there, accusations are, are coming, and he says this. 
I think that's very important for all of us to know that in the midst of all of this that's going on, we need a, we need a change of raiment. There, there's been messages on iniquity, right? The very nature of the enemy was found inside him. That's just what happened when he fell. And so in the midst of this warfare, we need a change of clothing. And, and, and that's, you know, I can't always, I don't know if I, sometimes, I know what it feels like when I, when I change my clothes in the natural. But sometimes in the spirit, I don't really, I can't tell the difference. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? You know what I mean, Vern? So I can't say, okay, God's changing our reign. I'm just saying there's something that he's doing where he's the filth that might be attached to our garments spiritually. He's taking care of that. But he's charging us and saying, okay, keep my ways. Keep my charge. And then you can judge my house. There's a progression that's there. And there's not the multitudes in this situation. Seems like it was just one man, right? It means there's few. Many are called. Few are chosen. And thou shalt also keep my courts. And I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Great position. Great place of power. Where we're at. We're at the right hand, right? The angel of Yahweh's there. That's great. But notice how there's a demonic stance going on in this context. This is a snapshot of what, it, what the enemy's doing right now, and, and we see it manifesting all over the world. He's taking a stand demonically, right? He's pushing his agenda. He's cramming it down people's throats, isn't he? I mean, just gorging people with it. But you know what? I'm telling you, the fury of God is soon to visit this earth of those that are adversarial influences but on the other side great blessing and rejoicing are coming to people like us he's going to deal with the adversaries and I, and I know that you know just even speaking about these things the enemy forces hear this and they're on alert. That's okay. God's, God's going to do this. I'm not saying we do any of it other than partner. That's it. <laughs> and that's enough. <laughs> if I rise up in my fury, it's not the same as perfect fury. <laughs> but when this happens, it is going to be so apparent that God is visiting this earth in fury and in blessing. I want to be on the side of the blessing, and I know you do too. Now, let's, let's turn the last few minutes we have together to the New Testament here. And I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to skip some of these, even though they're all really great. Let's go to page 3. And I want to look at Romans 13. This is an anti-histeme of the powers that be. In Romans 13, and the Apostle Paul is writing about this. I think it's interesting that he's writing about it. He wrote a lot about saints. He wrote a lot about fivefold ministry. 
how things should function within the church. And he apostolically set the, laid the, the groundwork of how things should operate. It's, and that's really what a true apostle does. But in this case, he's focused on the higher powers. He said, let every soul, every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of Theos. Whosoever resisteth, and that word for resisteth there is a different anti-word, but it's anti-tasso, and it just means they're, they're, they're putting themselves against the other uh, on one side, and they're, they're opposed to it. Whoever opposes the power resisteth anti-histemes the ordinance of Theos. The ordinance there just means an arrangement or an institution of how God has set things to be, right? Now, in, in our world and across, or in the United States and across the world, all of the insurrection, the rebellion, and the anarchy is what? Anti-histemming the institution or the ordinance that God's established. Anytime we think we can just spew out hatred toward the authority structure, and I'm, I'm speaking presidentially here, it ain't going to be a pretty ending for any of us. I mean, you just look. Some of the places, if they continue down this pathway, they will be a modern-day waste city. They will be. Okay, you, want, you don't want any government, you don't want any law, you're going to be a waste city, right? But in the midst of that, you've got voices rising up in, in the highest point of government saying, if you don't take care of this, what? We will. That's, that's the Lord trying to get people to recognize we're going to come in and we're going to bring true justice and order, right? I don't know, it's really interesting here, right? Anti-histeme. And they that anti-histeme, look what happens here, are going to receive to themselves damnation. Damnation here means, is the word crema, and that's from crino, where we, get, where we discern or judge. There's going to be a judgment that's going to come by virtue of the anti-histeme that, that people are partnering with. Damnation is coming. I believe God is giving people a, a space of time, just like he did with Jezebel in Revelation, to repent. But if they choose no repentance, then in his fury and in his perfect wrath, he's going to rise up and it's going to be poured out in the earth. It's going to happen. That's just... Inside him, that's the way he is. When he looks at mankind and he looks at all of us and he goes, 20 years ago, Les or Mark or whatever, you're not functioning the way I designed you to. I'm going to visit you in judgment and burning and cause something to come alive on the inside that I created. That's how he responds. That's how he looks. And he does it with absolute perfection and precision. Makes no mistakes. 
So when he rises up in fury or he rises up in wrath, he's doing it in absolute perfection. Some people might have an issue with that. If you do, you need to study the Scripture because it talks about the wrath coming. And I might just talk about Revelation. It talks about fury coming. Damnation. How's that going to feel? What is that going to look like when, when people are being judged because they decided to be on the anti-histeme part rather than the histeme and standing for righteous purpose and righteous vision, which is what God's called us to do. This stuff is serious. And then we're going we're gonna to look at this next passage. We all know this one, but I love how the Scripture comes alive and it applies to where we're at relationally as a people. I love this because we've read this many, many times. It's anti-histemaing in the midst of the evil day. Okay, this is, a, this is a good thing here we're going to look at here in just a second. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. This first part we want to focus in on taking on, oh, I misspelled there, watch it be whole armor. I need to make that change. Whole armor of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the job, be strong in your job title, no, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, the idea of putting on here comes from the word. We've studied this throughout the years in duo. And it means to sink down into the garment, to absolutely be saturated. It's really an anointing is what it is. It's an investment into the clothing, the garment of who we are. But notice the verbiage that's used here, put it on. It didn't say, I'm going to force this on. <laughs> Nobody forces us to change clothes, right, in the morning. You could get up and wear the same thing four or five days in a row if you wanted to. I don't suggest it, but you could. There's, there's personal action involved in doing this. This is one of those automatic things. Oh, I've got the armor of God on. Really? What is the armor? What truth? Are you operating in? You, you start talking that language. Some people don't even, well, the word of God's the truth. Well, yeah, but what, what, what is Amon? Where does that come in? Well, he met. And so you find out, some people, they don't even really know what it is. Now, why do we, why do we need to take this on for ourselves? Well, he says it right here, so that you're able, and the word able there is a derivative of dunamis, so that you have the, the function to be able to histeme against the wiles of the devil. That's it. The armor is for standing against the, the sophistication and the trickery of the enemy. Now, if you look at how things are going on in this world, you can't ignore the fact well, I guess you could, but you'd be an agnostic. That there is some sophistication, demonically, going on of how all this stuff began to manifest. It's just there. But it's an indication that we need to not, not, just not focus on it, but stand 
knowing that God is anointing us in the evil day. I, I love that. And then he takes it further. And I'm not going to, pastor's written stuff on this much more uh, better than I can ever do. But he mentions, he mentions where the war's at. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I do want to focus on this next part. This is a little different here. Now it says, take unto yourself the whole armor of God. Different Greek term. Anna Lambano. Put on is in duo, right? Take on is Anna Lambano. And with this type of taking on, he says, I'm also giving you the ability to function to anti-histeme in the evil day. Very, very interesting. So anti-histeme means we're standing against the agenda of Satan and his forces. Taking it on is what we're doing here. That's, that's the function. God's given to that, given that to all of us to be anointed to histeme, but then also to be on guard into anti-histeme against evil that's operative in our day. Both of those, they're different. They're two weak terms, but I love that. And if you think about over the last many months, man, you felt like you're standing, boy, and you're not letting anything through, right? But then on the other side, the anti-histeme is going on, and you're getting blasted with all the other. We're functioning in both ways. But we're using the armor. He hasn't even begun to identify what is the armor. He's just telling you, I'm giving it to you in a twofold manner for this reason. <laughs> and then from there, he talks and he says, not only are you going to withstand in the evil day, but having done all, you do, you do what? You stand. So he brings his stemme back in. So we are in a battle, major battle and conflict in the spirit. And it's anti-histeme versus histeme. And then I conclude with this one. The one that started all this. The anti-histeme of Moses and the truth. In 2 Timothy 3, through, uh, 3 1 through 9. This is uh, Janus and, and Jambres. And there's not much written about them in, in, in the entire Bible except here where their names are mentioned. But this goes all the way back into the book of Exodus. If you study it, you, you, you can find out more. This know that in the last days, perilous times are going to come. Perilous there means you're going to feel like, they're, uh, like you're, the strength that's within you is being reduced. You're going to feel difficulty. You're going to feel danger, fury. You're going to feel that in the Kairos timing. For men are going to be lovers of their own selves. Another way of saying it is they're going to be self-centered. They're going to be focused on self-interest. Just saying those two, two phrases alone is like, man, that's exactly what's going on. Self-centered. Okay, the enemy. These things are very much alive in the demonic heart of the enemy 
He loves, I will be, I will be. There's self-centeredness at the very heart, and it's demonic. And then he goes through this whole list of all these different things. I'm going to point out a few. Lovers of their own selves, fierce. Fierce there means savages. And when you, when you think of a savage, you should immediately think of people that are cruel and brutal and, and that are attacking and criticizing. That's exactly what it means. Traitors. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Verse 7, they're ever learning, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They don't allow themselves to begin to function in knowing the truth. Now, as Janice and Jambres withstood anti-histemate Moses, now, that's another teaching by itself, anti-histemating a Moses-like individual. So do they also anti-histeme the truth. They're men of corrupt minds, and you look at corrupt there, and it just means their, their mind, is their thinking has become depraved, and it's, there's, it's been, there's a soiling, it's been contaminated. They're reprobate concerning the faith. And then verse 9, but they shall proceed no further. And that word for the, uh, no, proceeding no further means they're not going to be able to move forward, advance, and also in some cases it means to grow. There may be a swell of demonic growth in the earth now, but I'm telling you and I'm prophesying this is not going to continue. The growth and the demonic advancement is going to be coming to an end says the Lord. God's going to he's going to step in and he's going to take care of this. I don't know how, I don't know all the details. I just know in my heart that that's coming and so do you. For their folly, which is stupidity and rage. It's used only twice in the New Testament, translated as folly and madness. Shall be manifested ek delos, wholly evident unto all men. They're going to know. It is coming to an end, my friends. And I can't wait. Because what's coming after that is going to be glorious. So, with that, I think I'm going to conclude. There's, there's much more that we could focus on. But I will say this as I, as I close. There's a lot of things we need to be doing, and hopefully you picked up on there. Let's follow the tobe. Let's encourage one another to continually to run after the good, perfect purpose of God. Number two, let's submit ourselves to God. Let's resist antihisteme the devil. I, was good. I mean, that's on the sheet there. How interesting. It starts off with submission, though. And that's key. As we submit, we can resist. We can anti-esteme the enemy. So those are, those are really two things that I wanted to close with here. Now, one thing that I do want to mention here. 
Early this morning, I'm, I'm done, but I want to mention this. Early this morning, I created, and I'll show you, a simple T-chart on the back of this piece of paper. Just drew a T. On the left-hand side, I wrote satanic characteristics, and on the right, godly characteristics. On the left, this is what I wrote. Resistance, rage, fury, iniquity, lawlessness, sources, Satan, disorder, confusion. On the right-hand side, the antithesis side, I wrote, for resistance, we need submission. For rage and fury, we need like calmness and peace. For iniquity, rather than focusing on twistedness, we need to focus on goodness. For lawlessness, law. For Satan, God. Disorder, order. Confusion, unity. So that little chart there, I'm using as a reminder. Focus on the godly characteristics. Be submissive. That's, that's one of the things that these individuals, I don't care who they are, have not done. They have not submitted themselves to Theos. Because when, when we submit in that manner, we say, you're not only my Savior, but you're my Lord too. And I'm going to do what you say. There are some that say one thing and do another. <laughs> we need to be a people that whatever's in our heart comes out through our mouth and our actions. And so, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to share this morning. And we, we just so appreciate the liveliness of the Word of God to all of us. Help us as we move forward as a people. And, Lord, like the psalmist wrote, I declare that we're going to continually give ourselves to prayer in the midst of all this craziness that's going on in our world. We love you, and I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.